Howdy, and welcome to this episode of Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like podcast. It's a series of conversations with artists, singer-songwriters about the current projects and industry people about the current trends. The program is hosted and produced by myself, Bruce Swan. The podcast will endeavor to be a bridge from the weekly live concert series to the weekly radio show. And while unaffiliated, they do are connected with the sharing of the same name, Music my mother would not like. You can find more information about the weekly series and the radio programs at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. The radio show can be heard live on WSFM 103.3 Asheville, North Carolina. It can be heard on ashevillefm.org and programs are archived on the website for two weeks only. This program airs on Mondays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The weekly music series with the same name can be heard and seen on Zoom and Facebook. You can get more information on the website and on my Facebook page, also with the same name, Music My Mother Would Not Like. Registration for this series is always free. It's a donation-based event, and that's how we pay the artists. These podcasts will vary in length. Many of the podcasts will come from interviews conducted live in the radio studios or via telephone and now via Zoom. Nothing is ever taken out of context and may be updated if it's possible and appropriate. The opinions expressed will be those of the speakers and not necessarily of any of the radio stations that I have been lucky enough to be affiliated with over the years, its owners, staff, or boards of directors. You can support this project directly through the website's PayPal account. In time, there will be a Patreon account and we'll have give you heads up on articles and interviews, etc., but only one step at a time. If you're digging what you're listening to, please tell a friend. And if you'd like to support the show and would like a shout out of thanks, let me know in the comments section of PayPal. Please remember to indicate to, that this is a donation. It's a gift to a friend in the comments section. Let me know where you're listening from. I'm on, I won't use your last name unless you say it's okay to. And any little bit helps. And if I've learned anything from my years in community radio, it's that lots of big things will get done when many people and many hands chip in a little. Think about the cost of a cup of coffee at your local favorite spot. Maybe you're listening while you're sipping, and I'm glad to be keeping company with you, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Would your business, firm, company, your project, whatever, like to meet other cool people like yourself? Maybe you'd like to sponsor a program of in the series. Working with people that think like you or share common interests, I think, is the key to getting things done. You can write to me at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. Conversations that Music My Mother Would Not Like currently enjoys the benefits of being connected with and sponsored by HearItThere.com. It's an online arts publication that supports the arts and culture of the tri-state New York City area with concentrations in the Hudson Valley and Western Connecticut. They have intelligent, well-written blog columns about music and the arts can also be found on the site HearItThere.com. Sort of like it sounds, H-E-A-R-I-T. T-H-E-R-E dot com. Check it out. Consider marketing your upcoming events on hearitthere.com. I do. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to get to know many musicians and industry people. The musicians are often the band's principal singer, or in the case of a singer-songwriter, the only person in the band, and that's what the conversation is all about. I've also had been privileged to get to know radio personalities, directors and promoters, producers, venue owners, record promoters, 
wonderful opportunities. Many of the conversations were to promote a single event, like a local concert or discussion about a new album with a deep dive into that project. I find that sometimes, as a listener, knowing a little bit more about the artist as a person makes going to the concert or listening to their record just that much more interesting. It certainly does for me. That takes a little bit of probing. Conversations are just about as much as much about listening as it is about talking. And this week's episode, number 003, will be with singer-songwriter Annie Sumi. I caught up with her on Zoom, and we had a lengthy chat about her latest record, Solastalgia released in 2021 and one of my favorite records for that calendar year. The interview was recorded to be used on WSFM LP, Asheville FM 103.3, as part of the sideshow. That portion of the radio show on music my mother would not like is a sort of a throwback to the 70s, where it was not unusual to hear music played as it should be, one side at a time. Hey, we're back. We're joined via Zoom with Annie Sumi. We're talking about her beautiful new record, Solastalgia. And it was released in October, October 8th of 2021, and made my top 20. It was actually record number four for me. 13 beautiful tracks, all very different. And with songs written extensively or only by Annie and produced with herself and Neil Whitford. You'll find these artists throughout the record, um, as well as addition to some other friends. And how lucky are you to be living in Canada where part of it was funded by the Ontario Arts Fund and recorded at Canterbury Studios. Annie, welcome to the program. Music My Mother Would Not Like. Growing up in the 70s, it was not uncommon to hear half a record on a given night. And the second half, maybe the next night or the two nights later. And I grew up listening to music like that, but I always felt that was missing was the commentary. You know, the questions that one could ask the artist, like what were you thinking about when you did this or that? And the jock didn't have much to say. They were probably grateful for 23 minutes of just kicking back and, and either smoking a cigarette or drinking a coffee or stretching their legs or something. But I believe that that was really the way to listen to a record through and through. And so I'm grateful that you are sharing your time and your insight on the record. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. You are described as a mixed race, ethereal folk artist from Canada. Your music is intimate and expansive, inviting the listener into a familiar other world, inspired by the mirrored relationship between physical and emotional landscapes. Your music speaks of the human experience through the languages of the senses. How would you, or does that encompass for you what an ethereal folk artist is? I've never read that expression so i had to look it up a little bit and there was pictures of ethereal art and i thought okay this is starting to make some sense and reading through the the the, um the lyrics and also reading through the the song list we see the aurora borealis i'm thinking okay it's starting to make some sense have i missed the boat or am i getting close to what you what you have in mind or how that was described yeah i think you're pretty on point there i mean to me ethereal means sort of like of space and of presence um, when we think of the ethers, we think of the air, the heavens, higher, looking down and in. Um, and I feel like a lot of my creative inspiration takes uh, energy from that sort of space, from being around and sort of omniscient, um, trying to really zoom in on what is happening in the world and in my own being through this world. Does that get complicated? I mean, there's a lot of things happening. Is it hard to like focus in on on one thing, or do you do you try to take it all in at once? Do you break it up into subparts? I, I'm a very compartmentalized person, so I see something, and I'm thinking, okay, 
this is the game and I'm not necessarily focusing on the people, but the people are part of the game if you're watching it or part of a concert or part of um, any event where there's more than one person, a cocktail party, anything. There's, there's lots of things happening, but I'm, I'm very compartmentalized. And, and once I get deviated or, or, or detracted from that, it's very difficult to get back into it. So is, it seems to me that you're able to take, in, take it all in and, and let it occupy all the space at, at once. Yeah, I mean, I think of it in so many different ways. I wonder if you've ever had an experience where you're in a moment and you're feeling very present in that moment. And at the same time that you're experiencing and living in and being part of that moment, you have this sort of feeling or understanding that it is going to be a very fond memory. Hmm. Or whether you've been to um, an orchestra or something and you have this very visual idea of where each individual instrument is on the stage but then when you close your eyes you just hear this like wash of sound sure it's kind of like that it feels like like there's a spaciousness that is around each individual moment at all moments and i feel like that is where i find so much magic to play with (laughs) Is it and is it hard to keep the pieces separate though? I mean, as as there, you know, you say we, we cl- you close your eyes, you look at the orchestra, your your eyes are open, you see the the musicians sitting down and and tuning up and getting ready to perform. The conductor comes out, it's time to get to work, and then you can close your eyes and you hear the music coming at you, and you can hear it all as one. But is it is it are you then able to focus in on any any given part or? Oh yeah, know, we're just going too far with this getting no, a little too esoteric. Still pick out those those perfect notes by each instrument, you know, but it feels like it kind of they all come up and out of a single entity. Hmm. Um, and that's yeah, that's where I find some real real interesting stuff. <laughs> well, this is your third record. Um on the previous heels or on the heels of the two previous records, also very well uh, acclaimed in the unknown released in 2017 and Reflections in 2015. Had this record been planned for a long time, was it sort of a byproduct of pandemic or was it really on the schedule as as part of the next upcoming project? Yeah, I actually did all of the recording and writing before the pandemic. In fact, was hoping to release the album in 2020. So I ended up postponing the album by an entire year. And I probably, I mean, I might have, could have, should have maybe postponed it for another year. But it was one of those things that, you know, when you have a creative project, and it's done and it's completed in your uh, perception of the project, then to hold on to it is, it kind of leaves you with this sense of inability or like stasis, like you can't move on and continue creation. Um, so I was pretty thankful to to release it when I did because I have been feeling more of that creative flow come through since the release. <laughs> Yeah. Well, are, are the are the records sort of compartmentalized for you? In other words, um, I'm not really sure where I'm going with the question, but do you, do you find that, as you said, you, you had to complete this record. It had been postponed and it sure could have been shelved for another year, but I, I'm, I'm feeling that it would have stymied you as, as an artist, that it would, have, it would have held you in check because why create more when you haven't really let this one out to breathe on its own? Yeah, I think that's definitely the feeling um and also 
sometimes uh like when you're holding on to something I don't know I guess I was getting this sense that like even if it wasn't the ideal weather to release an album you know in terms of having tours canceled and yada 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 um it did just feel like it was time for the album to be in the world and the energy that i had for creating was needing to come through and and not be yeah kind of held by that we talked a little bit off mic about the creating of the the bits and pieces of the of the record um the introduction of flute and violin cello piano there's some electric guitar and a few of the songs had you planned to have the record flow out this way was it was it a production decision or as you were writing the the songs and i think we'll talk about that a little bit later is the 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 son how the record was put together sonically or um uh as part of plan but were these various instrumentations part of the original plan because i mean you don't play all the maybe you do play all the instruments but not on the record you've invited um friends and guests to participate Uh, but as you were working it did you see these these instrumentations coming in I definitely could hear particular parts of instrumentation as the songs were being written. Um, But the friends that I had play on the album brought like so much new and exciting life to the songs. My friend Jillian Sartag, who plays cello, she also did all the string arrangements. So that process was really amazing to work with her um, on that. And then there actually is this theme that meanders through the whole album and it was really exciting to me to have the flute play that theme in different variations through the album so there are just little pieces that definitely were preconceived but created entirely new by all these amazing musicians I love it. I, and I think it really fills out the record and not to suggest that some that a record's incomplete with only guitar and voice um, as a singer songwriter. That's, that's predominantly what you are. But I really do feel that it enhances the record and and um, uh, opens us up to to looking at it throughout. And the fact that the themes do repeat in slight variations sort of provides for that continuity, which I which I really like. The record opens up with the track Circles. It's a, it's a beautiful, short, sort of spoken word um, that sets the tone and the pace for the record. Can you talk a little bit about that? And because it is what I believe to be a really a very important track to start the record off. It's not, um, there's lots of schools of thought as to what you do with the first song. Is it is it a, a pace setter? Is it something sort of what's your appetite? Pick pique your interest. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to put your best song up front. But um, for me, this this was more sort of an introduction as to what we're going to be hearing, how this thing is going to play out, and yet the song stands on its own as a separate song. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, yeah, this. The intention behind putting circles first, I think, is a little bit that, you know, catches you a little bit off guard to have a spoken voice as opposed to a singing voice um, in the first track of the album. And so I think it immediately draws the listener's attention to what the words are saying. And essentially what the words are saying is hopefully to center the listener into a space in which 
you're feeling the magic or um, sort of the life of landscape and wonder. Um, and although the album definitely, you know, reaches into some deep and darker spaces, I feel like that that poem at the beginning of the album sets the tone for what I hope people take away from the album. Um, and even in its title, like circles, there is a cyclical feeling to the album, which felt really important to me because it is a cycle, you know, if, if we're talking about um, grieving landscape or relationship or connection, uh, it's, it is a cycle we go through to get back to that place of wonder, appreciation and gratitude. Uh, so it felt like starting with it was really important. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And the lines, when I'm listening, there's a song in everything, wind chimes and whippoorwills, laundry lines and seagulls hovering overhead, keeping the circadian rhythm a gentle pulse, pushing and pulling the tide. That I thought was really, was really beautiful, um, especially the comparison of both laundry lines and seagulls hovering overhead. So I thought, you know, this is really spectacular and i love the description of, of how it, it is a circle one at, at any given point you know we're 360 degrees away from from the starting point all over again and undiscoveredmusic.net is a website dedicated to ease of use and has something for everyone interested in live music at undiscoveredmusic.net you will be you can find info on venues in your area or to an area they might be traveling to it's a tremendous resource for artists venues and patrons you can also find information on stream shows too check it out undiscoveredmusic.net this record is beautiful and as i said earlier it was my number four of the top 20 records your name is in the same sentences um dar williams and and uh james mcmurtry and whole bunch of other in my my feeling greats um your countryman mark perry a little bit further down on the scale but nonetheless in the in the top 10. your website and i, I do encourage folks to check this out annie sumi that's sumi.com we'll say it a couple more times in in the in the broadcast but i dig it it opens up with you in sort of a hydrangea plant or bush and in as sort of later on in the, in the sequence maybe I don't know, maybe 10 seconds, 13 seconds, 14 seconds later in, the frames start to flicker a little bit, perhaps as though it was a an old home eight millimeter camera. I felt very nostalgia looking at it. I remember perhaps being the subject of, of some of these eight millimeter films as a kid and looking at other family members, um, but I absolutely love it. That it's just, it, it sort of sets the pace. And um, so anyway, it's a great website, anniesumi.com. But I particularly enjoy that you share the lyrics um within the within the album if you go to music you can hear the different songs and you can look at the lyrics which i think is fantastic because i grew up in an, in an era where you got a record it was 12 inches square you could open it up and inside were the lyrics and so you didn't have to start and stop and start and stop the record and write all this stuff down and try to figure it out or go someplace else to discover it or somebody says those are not the words man don't sing them that way this is what he's saying this is how you have to say it. Was, oh yeah, okay. But I, I really, I really dug it, and it was, um, it gave me the ability to, to sort of delve into the um, into the record, get a little bit more insight, perhaps. But I wonder if we might talk a little bit 
about Mother. Like much of the record, I did need to listen to the song a few times and read the lyrics. But can you talk to me a little bit about, is this symbolic? Is it metaphorical? Talking about your mother, we talking about Mother Earth, we talking about, about what? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, first of all, I just want to say that I am so with you on the paper lyric book. I just miss that so much. And I, I loathe that Spotify has ruined that for us, but um, I appreciate you taking the time to go through my digital paper uh, lyric book. Um, and for for Mother, that is definitely a kind of, it kind of skirts a line between a metaphor and um, a lived experience, but mostly in the sense that um, I have over the years been sort of watching as my grandmother's life has been changing and um, losing some of its definition of shape as she walks with dementia these days and watching the ways in which my mother nurtures her mother and I nurture my mother and we go through this sort of uh, matrilineal notion of care that feels so beautiful to me um, and precious. And I think, you know, reflecting on that, but also living in the era that we live in, in which we are very much uh, disconnected from our, our roots and our, our formational structures of deep connection with the earth and living on and with the elements um i feel like when i wrote this song i was reflecting particularly about uh some pipeline problems we were having in northern bc british columbia at the time and just feeling like i had no voice or no ability to speak up and about those issues um and so the song definitely comes from that place of protest and and hope to reconnect some of those roots. Have you often used your voice for protest and, and not necessarily queuing up or holding a sign or walking in solidarity, but do you feel that it's an artist's responsibility to to have voice and to take position on difficult topics? Definitely. Definitely. I feel like oftentimes I feel an insane amount of privilege to be given um, a microphone and a stage and platform to be able to speak about things that are very important. And there have been moments in my life where I've been able to use that privilege to raise up other voices of people who really need to be heard. Um, but it does feel like you know, working in communities where there are issues that need more attention and more media coverage or whatnot, um, and trying to bring attention to those issues that aren't being widely covered in, in modern media. Mm -hmm. um, music feels like a huge opportunity for that. And so I have, in small ways, been able to use music as a platform. We're talking with Annie Sumi. You can get more information about her on AnnieSumi.com. And that's A-N-N-I-E-S-U-M-I.com. 
um, almost as exactly as it, as it sounds. We've been chatting about the first half of the record, so nostalgia. I love it. It was my number four record of the top 20 for the calendar year of 2021. This record was released in October of the year, and more or less it was clear that touring that had begun, once again, was going to be coming to a grinding halt. There was some optimism that the coronavirus was perhaps under control as we got into the midsummer months. Outdoor gatherings were deemed safe with, with you know, social distancing, masking, vaccine, etc. But looking back on your tour sheet, there's some very impressive bookings, which now read canceled before each one of them. I would have been devastated. The new record, touchy times, few rays of optimism, and then all of it coming to a screeching, screaming halt. How, how did you deal with that? I mean, was it, did you feel, I guess as many did, did you feel victimized or grateful that it wasn't you that was affected, that you could at least cancel and rebook? Or, I mean, what was, what was happening for you? I, as I said, I would have been absolutely devastated after all that work to, to have it comes to a screaming halt. Yeah, I think it's been ongoing exploring the emotions of this last few years. Um, but devastated, I would say, is a good word to describe the feeling and emotion. Also discouraged, probably. Um, I've been finding it really hard to, to continue until there's some sort of clear indication that these tours that we have canceled and then rebooked and then canceled <laughs> are going to happen. So. It has definitely taken a toll on the momentum that you have as an artist when everything feels like it's in flow and moving in a direction that's really exciting for you. Um, and to have that sort of swept from under your feet is definitely pretty defeating. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I guess devastated is, is the right word and discouraged is, is, is perhaps a better one. Um, I, I'm happy that you're s still optimistic, you know, that, that, that there is a, there's an end to this at some point. We will come out of it. There's no question that this is not eternal, yet it, it feels like eternity. And when the, the switch gets turned on again and off again and on again and off again, and um, I, I, I'm familiar with the process of booking and how much work goes into getting to yes. When you finally get to yes and you're able to put it up on your website and engage with your fans and say, I'll, I will be in your in your town. I look forward to seeing you and then have to um, cancel all that out. This record for me was was very peaceful and I enjoyed listening to it in preparation for the interview and certainly um, discovering the record and, and much deeper. But I, I got hung up on a couple of things and wonder if we couldn't talk about Sona Rose. I, I love the song. But what does it mean? I tried looked for some translations. Sona translates to gold or golden, and as a name, perhaps it would translate to gold or very pretty, lovely, sweet, etc. But what is the what is the meaning of the the name of the song Sona Rose? That's really funny. You should ask. Nobody's ever asked that question before. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I um so I am of mixed heritage, and part of my family is Japanese, and as part of that legacy, there's this beautiful image uh, associated to the rising sun. Mm. Mm -hmm. and, um, when I wrote this song, I was having this connection 
to the idea of having a child and um and for some reason the way that that felt in my sort of cerebral brain was this beautiful picture of a horizon of a of a beautiful horizon of dawn and i was thinking oh wow well there's there's my rising sun and so sona rose kind of came about because i loved the name sona which does mean sun a golden sun um and then rose was just kind of the the, the part the play on the pun i guess <laughs> yeah because I get hung up on the word rose as a flower, and I think that there therein lies the, my disconnect with the meaning. Um, but but it's 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 a beautiful. Well, as all good things must come to an end, we are sort of rounding the corner of this interview, and I've enjoyed so much chatting with you, Annie, and more information about this magnificent artist at anniesumi.com, A-N-N-I-E-S-U-M-I.com. Good website, well put together, troves of information on how you can get in touch with the artist and um, perhaps part with some of your hard-earned money and buy a copy for your very self or buy a track-by-track, track, as you see. Who was Oliver? secrets <laughs> well you allude to perhaps it's a, a a young love as a young person um but maybe it's a fictitious person maybe it's a an ongoing thing maybe i i don't know but um i enjoyed the track and i thought i would beg the question <laughs> well i'll leave you with that one for your imagination <laughs> <laughs> all right that's that's fair enough um i will ponder that in the, the back of my small brain <laughs> but let's do take a look at the name of the record, Solstalgia. Um, what is that? It's a little bit tricky for me to say. It's a little bit tough. I've had some trouble with another artist whose album, Solace in the, in the Wild, has been incredibly difficult for me to say. Not so much that the words are complicated, but I always seem to get them in the wrong order or use wild instead of wind or wind instead of... It's a mess. But anyway, so be it. Um, talk a little bit, if you would, about the name of the record and what that's all about. Yeah, totally. Um, Solastalgia is a term that was sort of coined by uh, Dr. Glenn Albrecht, who is a ecological philosopher based out of Australia. And I came about his work through a book called Earth Emotions. And at the time, it was insanely helpful for me because I was having all of these um, monumental feelings around climate change and climate emergency and uh for someone in my own life that hasn't struggled too much with mental health thankfully um over the last five five to eight years i would say i have been walking with a lot of grief and pain around uh the ways that our world is changing and so reading that book, Earth Emotions, if nothing else, was an insanely helpful tool to just put some words to feelings that I was experiencing. And one of those words, one of those helpful words was solastalgia, which is basically in a very brief general statement um, definition was defined as um, the nostalgia that you feel, the homesickness that you feel when you're still at home. 
And so to me, it was for places that I grew up in that had then turned into box stores and uh, landscapes that I found a certain amount of identity in that no longer exist and are condos. Um, so that feeling of losing a place that was once a quote unquote home for you. And sometimes that's in relationships or landscapes or physical places, um, sometimes even in ourselves. So just kind of thinking about that definition was really, really inspiring and kind of the whole theme of the album. Sort of the dualism of, of progress, you know, progress at what expense, what cost, what are the, what are the, um, what wake do we create at the, at the price of, of progress? Definitely. The record starts off with circles as we talked earlier, sort of a soft tempo song, and you finish with Skybound, that really picks up the speed, sort of bringing us, I guess, back to the start, as you talk about. Um, but you, there's a little bit more pronounced percussion in, in the song, a little bit more wind instruments. Again, we talked a little earlier about it being part of the plan to incorporate these these various instruments as the album progressed. Was this the, the was the record put together sonically? Was it all planned methodically how did you put the records together and ask the question because i've spoken to other artists and i said how long did it take you to put the record together so it took a long time to make it but i mean to put it together it took about 15 minutes you know we we banged out that we, we had the songs we wanted we, we recorded them but the ordering took took 15 minutes but i don't get that feeling in this record i feel that there's a story being told and because of the circle and because of skybound we, we do come back to where we began what was that the plan? It's actually really funny, and I'm just remembering this in this moment, that the end of Skybound was never meant to be that way. Um, but in our live recording on the day of, we recorded all of that stuff live off the floor, and I was playing the song. And for some reason, I just gravitated back to that riff that begins the whole album. And so it just happened so naturally. And as soon as I finished playing it, I was like, whoa, that's that's it now. Like, now we, we're leaving that. I don't know if we did it in one take. Um, I'm inclined to say that we didn't probably, <laughs> but as soon as it happened, I was like, okay, this is this is the way the song ends now so but it does bring us back to the beginning as as, yeah. as circles and talks about uh, the, the beginning of the song so i think it's i think it's really a terrific record this record feels familiar to me when i listened to the previous two records in the unknown and reflections recorded in 17 and 15 respectively i think that the records continue to mature and improve as one would hope i think from an artist but is there ever a feeling for you to just sort of stick with what works do you does, you know, as you're sitting through the process, do you, are you concerned about fans not getting it or being disappointed is, or is the, is the music for you therefore then for us? What's the, what's the process? I mean, there's definitely a part of me that thinks that like, I have veered a little bit away from the traditional sense of the storytelling that I've done in previous works. Um, but honestly, I just think 
art is meant to be an evolution and this is just the beginning of some explorations you know um and i i think for myself personally as an as an audience of many incredible artists i think i would be bored if it just stayed the same all the time i just get so excited when artists push their own boundaries and it if it's coming from a good place and not like a i don't know if you're trying to be something that that you're not then it probably won't come across as well mm-hmm. but if it comes from the essence of your creation creative self i feel like it it or i notice that when i see an artist veer away from what they're used to doing and i appreciate right. it so maybe it is my own uh adoration for the artists that i've loved that have been bold enough to take a step away from their previous work yeah and i think it it, it does take some loyalty to to the artist loyalty to the process um we've got plenty of artists that have produced I don't want to say hundreds of records, but certainly dozens of records. And some of them fall through the cracks and you go back and you have a listening and you say, wow, this was really a good record. You know, why didn't, why didn't it make it? Why wasn't it popular? And, and then you look back and you say, well, it's completely different from the beginning. And it's, you know, if you listen to commercial radio, that's what one, one would expect that, that um, you know, you're spinning up stuff that's going to sell product. Mm-hmm. Whereas independent radio doesn't have that same, same mission statement. Right. What is on the horizon for you? I know that touring abruptly has come to a second, third, fourth halt since 2020, since the pandemic began. But what is on the horizon for you? We talked earlier that that this project had to be released. Sure, it could have been kept on the can, but it was stifling. So are you back to creating? Are you sort of enjoying the moment with this record? But um, what's, what's, what's happening now? Yeah, I am 100% excited to tour this album. Um, as soon as it makes sense to do so and until then i have been working for the last year and a half actually on uh, a multimedia installation piece for the japanese canadian cultural center and my friend brian kobiakawa and i have been putting this piece together that's a lot about our ancestral stories being japanese canadian and I'm really excited about it and it feels like something that might actually happen because it is um it's an installation piece in a building so people will still be able to schedule slots to come and view it through the gallery and everything so that's something that I'm really excited about probably that will in be exhibited between March of next year and September. Mm, okay. <clears throat> And you said earlier that when touring makes sense or when it's okay, what will that look like for you? What's going to be okay? At what point will everybody have to be masked and vaxxed? Will there have to be reduced occupancy? What will what will make you feel comfortable? And um, I guess also to be able to accept your responsibility to your audience as well. Yeah. Yeah, I... I definitely think next summer is promising because we can still navigate outdoor concerts if need be. Um, To be honest, at this point, because I have been doing so much 
organizing and reorganizing and reorganizing, I've been kind of trusting my gut a little bit more about um, when it will make sense to put together a substantial tour. I feel like small dates plotted here and there in a safe way feel okay, um, but to be endeavoring for, you know, weeks and weeks at a time um, in places in which, you know, maybe there are no mandated rules around COVID, that feels like a little bit more of a risk that I'm not willing to take at this moment. So yeah, I think trusting my gut and keeping a, keeping a finger on the pulse, just kind of feeling it out and talking to people like you, um, I feel like, you know, the community knows best and we'll get there. We'll get there. I hope the community knows best. Um, it is, it is for me been sort of a strange time and you try to run with, with like-minded people. And so you accept that everybody's like-minded and, um, a room will become polarized and some people are wearing masks and some people are not. And you go to an event where you're supposed to be, um, you're not required to present documentation, but you're on your honor to, to have taken the maximum number of vaccinations that you possibly can get your hands on. And that, and then encouraged to wear a mask. And you find that by the end of the night, it's, it's almost an enemy that you can't see. And so you become sort of foolishly misled or seduced that everything is okay. And it's not okay. And we can't, we can't see what we can't see, but yet it's, it's there. And I think that this is a very, very frightening time. And perhaps it's why the pandemic continues to rage, but um, you know, I admire your, your sense of caution. <laughs> when you finished the record, were you proud of it? Did you feel that it had, you had taken it where it had to be taken that there was, that you kind of, you know, as the expression says, you left nothing on the table. It was all, it was all done. Yeah. It felt so good when the album was done. It felt really, really good. Um, admittedly, it felt not as good to have to hold on to it for so long. Mm -hmm. So I found, you know, like you lose your momentum around the excitement of when it's first finished. But what I was reflecting on um, earlier this fall was when I listened back to it, I was still very proud of it. So even though I, it had been a whole almost year and a half of having it completely finished um, and just in my pocket, when I pulled it back out again uh, to share it with everyone, I was still really happy about it. So, so that spoke, that spoke enough words to me. And was there, you know, if you knew now, you didn't know then, do you think you'd have made any changes or would you like to have gone back and, and revisited certain tracks and maybe edited them differently or changed them up or added some different instrumentation, maybe, maybe a phrasing different in a song or change a couple words? There is one thing on the whole album that I would change. And I don't know if I should share it with you or not. <laughs> then never well, we saw how far I got with Oliver, so maybe we... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 
I'll share it with you. Why not? I'll I'll reveal my um my self criticism is when I originally wrote the poem for circles. There's a line on there that says, um, "Pushing and pulling the tide onto the rocky shore, it comes and goes in waves." And the following line is, um, "Reaching and." repeating um and it says each note is written on the shore but i repeat the word shore and when i wrote it initially it was each note was written in the sand and that makes so much that makes me so much happier to not repeat the same word in the same poem. So this is this one tiny thing that I didn't catch while we were recording that I would go back now and change. <laughs> well, when you present the song on stage, will you use sand or will you keep it as sure? When I sing the song live, I do say sand. <laughs> <laughs> So you know that it's real, that I, I made a mistake. <laughs> Either way, for me, it's a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful start to a fantastic record. We've been chatting with Annie Sumi. More information about her comings and goings and how you can get involved with, with her actions at AnnieSumi.com. I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful insight. And, um, you know, it, it is what was missing in the 70s when you got to hear a whole half record in fact the jock would tell you start your recorder now mm -hmm. and then you would hear the needle drop and they would play the whole record through and including the pauses and which is how we've been presenting the record now so this is as though you put the cd in your player at a fire going you're sitting with annie and you get to ask questions about the record so thank you so much it's been absolutely beautiful Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. This is so fun. <laughs>This was the third episode of the podcast series, Conversations That Music My Mother Would Not Like. I'm pleased to announce that you can now hear the podcast along with your other faves on TuneIn, as well as Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, and right from the website, musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. You can get more information about the weekly radio shows and the weekly stream concerts at the website as well. Big thanks to our sponsors, hereatthere.com and undiscoveredmusic.net, and our guest, Annie Sumi, this week. I'm Bruce Swan. Thanks for listening, and please tell a friend. My guests next time will be Rod Picot and Slade Cleves. It's a lively conversation about their unique rules governing co-roads. And so until next time, don't take any wooden nickels and so long for now.
silence in the 